Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Dion, and this is episode two of I'm Always Right podcast because I'm always right. Now, we got a few things to talk about. It'll be mostly about the NBA playoff matchups that's going on right now, who we have winning and what amount of games, and just some news that's concerning around each series. So, we also have some NCAA basketball and MLB notes we're going to throw in there as well. So, let's just jump right into it. As far as MLB goes, it's the beginning of the season, only but about three weeks in so it's not too much to talk about but um I do want to say man shout out to my Yankees we're on fire right now started out one and four and now we're nine we won nine of our last ten games and a ten to five second best uh record in baseball behind only the Orioles who are in our division at AL East and retired with Houston for their second best record so shout out to the Yankees man we have a bunch of guys that's improved heavily so far this season, um, Starling Castro's playing well. We have Aaron Judge. Yo, sh- shout out to Aaron Judge, man. This dude is just hits bombs, man. He's just made for Yankee Stadium. Uh, the big improvement with Aaron Judge that I'm I'm loving so far is that play discipline. Last year when he came, when he got called up from the minors, like in the second half of the season, the dude was striking out almost half of the time. I think it was like a 44% strikeout rate or something like that. And his swing and strike rate was probably like 20-something or 30, 30% or something like that. So uh, that's, that's just telling you how much he's worked on his game in the offseason. He's proved he's proven, he's proven uh, mightily, man. So shout-out to Aaron Judge. Starling Castro's playing well. Chase Headley's batting just under 400. Um, Aaron Hicks, when he when he got called up to play, he was doing well. Our pitching staff, Tanaka's struggling, but um, he bounced back yesterday with a great outing against the White Sox. Severino's playing well. We got a, we called up a pitcher, one of our top prospects. Top, I think he was a top ten prospect for the Yankees. Um, Jordan Montgomery's playing well, lefty. He's had a little struggles here. He gave up uh some time, some untimely home runs. Uh, his first two games, but just as far as what I'm seeing from him, I'm like I'm liking what I'm seeing from him. Who else we have that's uh playing well? CC's pitching well. I think his ERA is under two right now in his first three starts, so that's that's impressive. Uh, uh, who am I missing? Michael Pineda. First start, he got roughed up, and since then he's bounced back nicely. So uh, I like what's going on with the Yankees right now. So just hopefully we can keep it up. Um, I'm just liking what I'm seeing, man. It's the hottest team in baseball right now. So let's jump into some NCAA notes. We got uh, Marco Fultz talking a little trash. Not not real trash, but uh, he's just confident in himself. He says what he's shooting for next year, because you know he keeps getting compared to uh, Alonzo Ball. Whenever he does an interview, they're going to talk about Alonzo Ball. And um, he was just saying, man, if he goes up against him, he he's going to go at him in the NBA because they're pretty much going to be playing the same position for the most part. He's just saying how what he's shooting for is rookie of the year to be MVP. Not just the rookie of the year. He wants to be the MVP next season. So um that's 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 what you want out of guys, man. You you like that confidence. You got you like guys that have goals, they're setting the goals and they know what they want, man. He wants to be that number one pick as well. So uh I like I like hearing that from him. Um also we have Grayson Allen returning for a senior season back to Duke. If you guys know, if you guys don't know, uh, I'm a Duke fan, and I think this was a bad move for Grayson. He actually should have left his sophomore year, but he came back for his junior year, and they didn't play that well last season. So uh, I guess he he decided he needed to come back for his senior year, and he also needed to uh, show some maturity because his draft stock was way down this season. Um, 
I think almost every category is shooting percentage went down, three point percentage, like everything. So, uh, he 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 actually had a chance to leave sophomore year and he stayed, man. I don't know why guys stay at like after a great season, man, when he was actually taking over games, cause pretty much all his all his thunder were stolen from Luke Kennard, who improved cr- like crazy. Um. Who came? Uh, who else? Uh, and Jason Tatum. So pretty much those guys stole his spotlight, and he didn't have such a great season. So, uh, I guess he got to come back just to show he can mature, and hopefully he can improve his draft stock for for next season's draft. So, uh, hopefully he does bounce back. But Duke has some nice recruits coming in who might steal a few minutes from him. So he might he probably should have left this year, else his draft stock might drop even more. Unless he just his game is just through the roof next season. So. Uh, with that being said, we're going to jump right into the NBA. We're going to talk about a few playoff series. We're going to talk about Toronto versus Milwaukee. Uh, right now, it's a 1-1 series, you know. Giannis, he dominated game one. Yeah, 28 points, 8 rebounds. Lowry struggled like we're used to seeing Lowry struggle in the playoffs. He had 4 points in 34 minutes? Are you serious? That's supposed to be a elite point guard, man. He's supposed to be a top, arguably a top 5 point guard in the game. And he just keep he just keeps disappointed in the playoffs. So four points there. John has dominated that game on defensive end, offensively. So shout out to him because I thought Toronto I thought Toronto might actually sweep these guys. I didn't think they have enough offensive power, but um, especially with Lowry struggling, there's no way they're gonna win the game. Game two, Lowry bounced back. He didn't have a, a crazy game. He shot I think six for twelve. But he, he had some timely shots, man. He hit the dagger pretty much. It was it was a two point game. It was one hundred two to one hundred with a few seconds under under thirty seconds left. He hit the uh, hit the dagger. He hit a dagger. I think it was a mid range with um with eight seconds left on the clock. So that pretty much sealed the game for them to get game two. That's pretty much a good back and forth series so far. Uh, as far as the West goes, we have Houston versus OKC. OKC is not looking too good right now. I actually put fifty dollars on OKC to win the series, and I'm not sure. I'm not so sure I have any confidence left in them because Westbrook is shooting them out, shooting them out of the goddamn game, man. Now game one, OKC just played lights out, dude. I'm not even gonna blame Westbrook. He didn't play, he didn't play a great game, but uh, when Patrick Beverly's on, James Harden on. Uh, if if Patrick Beverly is dropping, uh, hitting timely shots and a bunch of clutch shots, you have no chance. He played a, he played some pretty good defense on Westbrook as well. But um, yeah, OKC just didn't have it. The bigs didn't show up. They got out rebounded. Um, crazy, and they were number one in rebound during the regular season. So you have no chance when your your best attribute is defensive rebounding, and you don't do you don't do either. So they got blown out game one, game two. They had a 12-point lead with, I think, about two minutes left in the third. As soon as Westbrook came out the game, cut to three. He comes back in the game, fourth quarter. He just shoots them out the game, man. Like, his shot selection, man. Westbrook has to improve that shot selection. If there's anything he needs to improve on, it's shot selection. I don't know why he continues to shoot a bunch of contested threes. He shot two for 11 from three on the game. Uh, I mean, you could probably say the last, it's probably like three threes in the final like minute or two where he just had to force up because, you know, he's trying, he's pressing pretty much at that point because they're going to lose the game unless he makes one. So I'm not going to really fault him for that. But even if you take those two away, 
and you say the other nine threes, he's shooting a bunch of contested threes, and they had untimely moments. And I know a lot of people are gonna be like, "Oh, freaking um, he doesn't have any good teammates, so he can't rely on anybody else to score." But he's not giving them the chance to sometimes. And I don't have a problem with Westbrook shooting a lot. I have a problem with when he shoots and what shots he takes. Man, he needs to get at. He needs to attack the rim, and not just look to draw the foul, but actually make the shot. Um. And he just needs to continue passing the ball, have trust in his teammates because he's if he he has a fifty point like how do you have a fifty point triple double in regulation and still lose? You know why? Because he shot forty, I think it was forty seven the shots. I think he I think he shot it was either fifteen or seventeen for forty seven, which is horrible. So he shot eighteen shots in the fourth quarter, and it was just a bunch of retarded shots, man. Um. There were a few calls the rest missed on him. I think about two calls. One where he shot the three and Nery Gordon fouled him. The rest missed that. Uh, and I think there was one I saw when he was driving to the lane. And I think Nene fouled him and they didn't call it. But that still shouldn't dictate anything. Um, they still should They still uh, should have won that game in my opinion. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, they just disappointed there. Uh James Harden, you know, he was consistent. Lou Will had some nice buckets. He had some timely buckets. Eric Gordon was killing these guys. He was roasting these uh, these fools. Um, also, you had Nene had a solid game. So, uh, when, when these guys are all clicking and then you're taking bad shots against a good offensive team that can shoot the lights out of, shoot you out of a gym, you can't be taking horrible shots. So, that's my critique of Westbrook. Hopefully... He gets a good coach in the future, or just Billy Donovan needs to talk to him and tell him, yo, I know that we need you to get going, but sometimes I just need you to improve your shot selection, dial it back just a little bit. You don't have to con- you don't have to change your game completely. Like, at least four or five of the shots that you're taking a game, I just need you to relax on because you're taking a bunch of dumb shots. Just think about how, just value each possession, and you're not doing that right now because of the shot selections you're taking. We know you're a great talent. We just need you to dial it back a little bit. So, but I don't think any of these coaches have the backbone. Scott Brooks or Billy Donovan have the balls to tell Westbrook, "I need you to relax sometimes." So, and I think this is part of his game, man. He's on, he's on a hundred at all times, man. So, uh, it's kind of hard to tell a player when you let him play like that for his whole career, and then somebody tries to come in and tell him uh, how how he how he should play. So uh, it might be too late. Hopefully, OKC still wins because I don't want to give up $50. But uh, it's not looking too good for them right now. But the good thing for them, they will be going back home playing OKC. Those first two losses were what the Rockets should have gave them, man. You're at home. You should you should win all your home games. So uh, hats off to the Rockets. Um, also, before I, before I get to the next game, I need, I need something to happen in the NBA next year. I need them to discuss this. This James Harden drawing fouls thing, this crap. Every time it's a pick and roll, if you put your arm out, he grabs your arm and they call you for a foul. They have to change that to an offensive foul. I don't. It's different if you're already in your shot motion and then they swipe down at your arm. But when you're grabbing the opponent's arm to draw a foul, that's not that's that has to be taken out of the game because he's getting he's shooting so many jump he's shooting so many free throws a night on that. There should there should. There should be no way that you're not like. There's literally impossible to reach on James Harden because he's gonna grab you, and then you're gonna get called for a foul. So, hopefully, uh, you know, I don't have any power to to reach any of these guys. But um, hopefully somebody discusses that in the NBA offseason because we need to take that out the game, 
or at least not be a shooting. F- at least if you don't have both hands on the ball already, it can't be a shooting foul because he literally will have one hand on the ball, and then he just grabs your arm and cluck, tucks it to and tucks your arm in in between his, and then shoots and then they call a foul. So, um, hopefully they change that. But we're gonna move on to another series. We're gonna talk about the Clippers versus Utah, which is a one-one series right now. Joe Johnson had a great game off the bench. Uh, game one, he hit the game winner. But of course, we know uh, Rudy Gobert is not looking too good for him. He might miss the rest of the series. He got injured on the first possession of the game, so uh, pretty disappointed for him. Um, because he's pretty much the anchor of that defense, arguably the defensive player of the year. And then you, then he goes down. You're just losing a lot on defense. So uh, I had them beating the Clippers, but I don't know if I have them. If I don't know if I still have them winning, if Gobert is not going to play the rest of the series. So uh, the good thing for them, they stole one. They stole one on Utah, stole one on the road. So hopefully they can uh, take care of business on their home court. But uh, it's not looking too good. Uh, second game, Chris Paul hit some timely shots in the fourth quarter. Didn't have the greatest games, but he's shooting just he's shooting just about fifty percent in this series. So, uh, I think a lot of critique that he's he's getting is unfair because he's doing what, exactly what you want him to do. He's not a scoring point guard. He's a point guard that scores uh, occasionally, man. So, uh, I mean, he could get you thirty, but he's he's more of the guy that's a, he's the setup man. He wants to get everybody involved. And then he'll take over when it's necessary. But he's not he's not a guy that's like Lillard or um who else you got? Um I'm trying to think of a point guard that's just Kyrie, where they're just going out looking for to get forty and everything like that. So um that's not his game. He's gonna get you eight to ten assists almost every game, get you about twenty points, and you can't be you can't be too mad at him. Man, he's only six foot, so uh you just need the rest of his teammates to step up around him and he'll be fine. So now I think we can move on to the Wizards and Hawks series. I haven't watched too much of this series, but I have watched like the little ten minute highlights. So uh, I can see where things is changing, how the key buckets, uh, where the momentum's changing, everything like that. And uh, I saw part of, the, I saw a lot of the first game. I didn't see the whole first game. I didn't see none of the second game. Uh, John Wall just took over in that first game, man. Had about thirty and ten. In that third quarter is where he just went bonkers. He scored about 13 of that 30 in the third quarter. He just took over that game, so it was pretty impressive to see. Then the second game, he they pretty much, him and Bill both had another. He had another 30, and he had 30 and 9 to be exact. And Bill had, I think, 31. So they both took over. One of the best um, backcourts in basketball. So uh, they actually did what they needed to do, took care of business. The Hawks choked away a lead. Um, they were they were in. I wouldn't say control, but they had a decent, like, a four-point lead with about five minutes left or something like that, from what I was saying. They they had a chance to win that game, and then Washington just turned all the way up, and they stole that game. So, uh, I think the Wizards are going to beat them. I think they're going to sweep them. I don't see any way that these guys, uh, the Hawks, could beat them. I don't think they have enough offensive firepower. Paul, Mill- Paul Millsap is great, but you're not really going to get too much from Shoulder every night. You're going to have to bank on a good game from um, Tim Hardaway Jr. every night. And Dwight Howard is just not the same. So I just can't see them. I can't see them even winning the game. But um, those those were two home games for the Wizards. So we'll see how how it plays out in ATL. Now, uh, another game I want to talk about, the Bulls versus Celtics. Uh, Jimmy Butler is killing them first game. Had about 30. Controlled that game. Had some timely buckets as well. as Bobby Portis, who had 19 off the bench. 
Meritage struggled, Wade struggled, and they still managed to pull out a W. Then you have, um, oh yeah, also, it's, I gotta talk about this, man. Uh, RP Isaiah Thomas, sister China Thomas, um, it's sad what happens in that situation. And then Isaiah Thomas goes out there and play the next day after his sister's death. I know that's emotionally and probably tough to go through. And then have to go out there and play basketball and be focused. So that could be what's haunt that could be what uh hurt the Celtics. Maybe they're mostly not invested in the game as much. But um it could go either way. Sometimes you either have either that pushes you or it knocks you back a little bit. So um but even even still, I had the Bulls winning that series before before uh the situation happened with Isaiah the unfortunate situation that happened with Isaiah Thomas sister. So um uh, I got to give him some some respect for at least going out there and giving his best effort. Had about 33 points. Shot a great percentage from the field. They just didn't have enough to win. And I ha- I told you guys, man, the Bulls, that that experience that the Bulls have is going to is going to prevail against the Celtics. Isaiah Thomas having a great year. But it's not too many other guys that I can trust on the on the Celtics day in and day out, game in, game out to uh step up. So if Isaiah Thomas doesn't drop 30-something, I don't think they win the game against the Bulls because Jimmy Butler's going to get his. And then you have you have that playoff experience from Dwayne Wade and Rondo. So, like I said, Wade struggled the first the first game, but he bounced back the second game. It was a balanced score. I think Jimmy Butler was the highest scorer of Wade with like 20, 22 or 23 points in that game, too. So uh, they didn't need an amazing game. They just needed more. They just needed more of a balanced attack. Meritich started out the first quarter. I think he had like ten points, so that kind of set the tone. Um, Dwayne Wade hit some huge clutch shots in the fourth when the Celtics were down like ten or something, trying to come back. Dwayne Wade just hit another shot, just put that away. Um, so that's just showing you that playoff experience. Rondo had a triple double. He controlled that game beautifully. The tempo, the pace, made some nice outlet passes. She just did everything you needed Rondo to do. Um, pretty great game from him there. You also got to remember, man, he used to be a Celtic. So it's kind of a little bit of that revenge factor in there. So you, you can't, you know, he's motivated to play. He It's not like he, uh, he just had, he had the chance to go to another team in free agent. The Celtics actually traded him. So, uh, I know I know he's motivated to go out there and kill these guys. So right now the Bulls are up 2-0 on the Celtics. And I don't think the Celtics gonna have I don't think the Celtics gonna win more than one game, if anything. So uh, it's very possible that the Bulls could sweep them. So now we're also we're gonna skip on to the next game. Spurs versus Memphis. I'm a Spurs fan. We blew uh so you know I'm I'm pretty hyped right now. We're up 2-0 on these guys. Uh, we won the first two games at home as we should. The first one was a blowout. They pretty much took no chance. Kawhi, 30-plus on their head. Um, Tony Parker had a solid game as well. Danny Green playing some great defense that game one. I'm loving it. I'll, yeah, Danny Green is so under, underappreciated. I, I, I crap on him sometimes because I hate I hate when he disappears on offense. He's not making open threes. But that defense, Pete, that defense can really uh, dictate how a game is going right and he just he's just doing it all on defense. I gotta respect him for that. Uh, now game two, which is a lot a lot of controversy surrounding that game because you know Fizdale, Coach Fizdale for the Grizzlies, he went on a tangent on a little rant as you want to call it, saying how the Grizzlies weren't getting the respects. Mike Mike Conley wasn't getting wasn't getting any respects from the refs as far as getting fouls called for them because if you look at the stats the stats uh, stat sheet. 
The Grizzlies only shot 15 free throw attempts while the Spurs shot 32. Kawhi shot more than the whole Grizzlies team himself with 19. Even though, I mean, I might be looking through it through some biased eyes because I'm a Spurs fan, but I went back and watched the game, and I thought all of Kawhi free throws were warranted. I thought all of those were actual fouls. Um, I've seen a few people complain about a few plays from Conley. I know there's one where Pat, uh, the most egregious one that everybody talks about is when he went up for a layup against Patty Mills, and it, he, he fell hard on his back or something like that. But if you look at that play, Patty Mills went vertical, then I reached down. He he stood. He, he had his hand straight up in the air just because his body contact doesn't make it a foul. Uh, a lot of people want to say, "Oh, the Grizzlies shot a lot of um, shot a lot of points. They shot a lot of their shots in the paint and weren't getting fouls called." But if you actually keep up with the Spurs, you will know the Spurs are one of the teams that don't that rarely foul. They they're one of the teams that's called for the least amount amount of fouls because they do a great job of playing good defense. Um. And then you look at it the other way. The Grizzlies were the second worst team in as far as uh, not fouling. So these guys were the they led. They were second in fouls per game in the NBA. So um, it's, it's I don't know if there's ever gonna be a, a situation where it's just equal in free throws because these guys, although they might play good defense, they also hack a lot. If you look at the stats, so. Um, I'm not I'm not buying too much into it, but uh, game three, which is tonight, is gonna be interesting because now that they're home and he got uh Fisdale got fined for that and everything like that for call, to calling out the officials and the refs, you know they're gonna probably give him some favorable calls tonight. So uh, it'll be interesting to see uh what happens tonight as far as the fouls called on both teams. So uh, just looking forward to that game We're on the road. Hopefully, we can pull this out. It'll be more impressive if you win this because you know that everybody's going to be watching this game, critiquing every every single bit of contact that's in that game that's not called for a foul or is called for a foul. So, uh, I think we can move on from there. We're going to talk about Golden State up 2-0 on Portland. Portland has no chance. I thought they had a chance. I thought they could possibly go 6, but they really play no defense. And if Lillard and McCollum don't have it going, they have no chance at all. I mean, at all. And if you look at the first game, Lillard and McCollum combined for 75 of the Blazers' 109 points and still lost by double digits. And they shot a great percentage. McCollum had 27 points in the first half. He dominated these guys. He finished with um 41. Uh, Lillard finished with 34. These guys just had a great game, but on the other end... KD was too much. He shot 12 for 20. He had 32 points. Curry had about 29. I think he shot 9 for 19. Clay, I think he shot a bad percentage. It was like 6 for something, but uh, it was definitely under 45%. Um, Draymond Green had a great game. 19 points, 12 rebounds, 9 assists, 3 steals, 5 blocks. Talk about a guy, man, that heart and soul of that team right there. He, he's I, I, I actually have him win a defensive player of the year, so... Uh, he just proved why he should be right there, man. Showing up big time in playoff games, five blocks, and it was some momentum changing blocks. Like that first that block he he blocked uh when he blocked Noah Vonley, where it was a two on one and he blocked his dunk. Like he guarded Lillard at the three and then ran down and blocked the dunk from a from a big man who's a power four. I think Vonley's like six nine, six ten. And Draymond's like six seven, so that's pretty impressive. Then he blocked Lillard's dunk. And then he was just all over the court, man, that whole game playing great defense. So he pretty much won that game for him. Game two, Durant's out with a calf injury. 
they still get blown out. Lillard, <laughs> yo, you want to know what's funny? They got locked up so bad, yo. Ian Clark and JaVale McGee both had more points than uh, McCullum and Lillard combined. So, uh, that's just... If you if when you got games when you have guys like that having games, and you still lose, man, it sucks. You have you have Curry and uh, Clay who both I don't think neither of those guys had above twenty points. I think Curry had nineteen, and Clay had something under that. But um, yeah, Curry no Durant. So Curry was their leading scorer with nineteen points, and you have no Durant, and you still get blown out. That's that's just a scary team right there. JaVel McGee was seven for seven. And Clark, I don't remember what he shot, but um, I think he had about thirteen points, which was more than Lillard and uh, McCollum. I think McCollum had a, le- I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, just know JaVel McGee and Ian Clark outscored McCollum and Lillard, so that's pretty impressive, especially for those two guys who didn't play thirty minutes while McCollum and Lillard played thirty minutes. So, uh, that was just great defense by Golden State. And then last but not least. I think I yeah I think I'm doing this a little bit off the top of my head because I didn't pick the games in order. Uh, Cavs up 2-0 on the Pacers. Paul George, we gotta talk about his comments, man. If you guys saw the first game, uh, the Pacers had a chance to win with a game winner or just a walk off, whatever you want to call it, man. Buzz beat if anything. Paul George, uh, he had they had the ball with about I can't remember the time. I think it was like 15 seconds, and. He was pretty much, I guess he was trying to wind down the time for the last shot. So, LeBron wasn't guarding him. It was J.R. Smith. So, LeBron was guarding Lance Stevenson. So, I guess that was the game plan to just force the ball out of Paul George's hand, which they did. So, they forced out of his hands once. He got the ball right back. LeBron kind of hedged a little bit, and he forced the, he gave the ball to C.J. Uh, to CJ Miles. And at that time, C.J. Miles probably thinking, all right, he passed me the ball twice. I'm not passing him the ball back. It's only about four seconds. I probably I'd rather look for my shot right now. He had a decent look and he missed. And after the game, Paul George was upset. And in the press conference, he talked about how he has to get that last shot. Talked to CJ. He's talked to CJ Miles about it. Um, and I guess it was. I guess it was a. I guess it was a great conversation. I don't know, but um, yeah, he just got a lot of flag for that because you don't want to look like you're calling out your teammates, especially in the playoffs. But I kind of understood Paul George from that perspective because if you're the best player on that team, and you just hit a huge shot because they were down, they were down four, um, with 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 under a minute left, and Paul George hit a huge three, huge three to make it a one point game, and then they got the ball back with a great uh with a stop. So, uh, after you just hit a huge three, and you're the best player on that team, the best scorer, the best shooter, everything on that team, so. You pretty much want the ball in your hands, and he didn't get to take that last shot, and they lost. And then game two, they got worked. Uh, Kyrie dropped 30 on their head. Kevin Love had about 27. LeBron, I think he had 25. I don't have all those stats in front of me. I just go, I'll, I'll look at it, and then I'll just, you know, muscle um, memory's pretty good. So hopefully I'm right. But I think Kyrie had 37 or something like that. So Paul George, I think he had about 29, but these guys pretty much got worked for the most for the most part. It was a pretty close game up until midway through the third, where they just were feeding Kevin Love. Man, uh, they actually had Lance Stevenson guarding Kevin Love for whatever reason. I don't know why that was the game plan or why they kept him on it, but there was like a time 
I think it was three or four possessions in a row where they fed Kevin Love in the post and he drew a foul every single time. It was like mouse in the house. And then to close the third, you had Kyrie sauce, saucing up Lance a little bit. So it was like they were picking on him pretty much. Got exposed a bit on defense. And these guys got worked. They 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 forced their way to make it a little close of a game, but uh, they really had no chance. So Cavs got away easily. They're up 2-0. Probably sweep them. We'll see, though. Uh, I definitely think the Cavs win in five. Uh, I just don't think the Pacers have enough offense and the defense isn't looking too good, man. You have the big three playing great. Like they said, man, they they, they think they could flip the switch. And right now, it's looking like they're doing so a bit. But I will say, they're still giving up like too many points, in my opinion. Like The, the Pacers shouldn't score more than 105 points ever against these guys. Because if they're giving up 105, I can only imagine what Golden State's going to do. But it, I guess it's it's a series to series thing. You probably don't want to uh, critique them too much because maybe they're still not they're still not hitting that next gear that they want, and they're probably saving that for when they get to the finals. So we'll see how that plays out. But that was pretty much my wrap up on the NBA playoffs, the NCAA notes. Uh, well, the NCAA basketball notes. We got full we got folks talking. We got Grayson Allen coming back. Yankees on fire, and we just broke down each game in the playoffs. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I will be back next Thursday, hopefully next Thursday, or I don't know. If if I'm getting some love, I'll, I'll definitely drop. So uh, appreciate the love. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast, and tune in next time. Peace.